0: Hey, hey, Memphis, welcome to the weekend. (laughs) Welcome to Friday, y'all. Sorry, I'm a little goofy here. Took a couple of weeks off working on a big project for the paper. I'm back now, so I've got all that pent-up energy, that radio energy. Y'all, welcome to Memphis Flyer Radio. My name is Toby Sells. I am a reporter here with the Memphis Flyer and the host of this here radio show that is recorded, mixed, mastered, and slow smoke for you this week at Flyer headquarters right here on beautiful Cotton Road downtown. Offering lovely views of all the tourists walking up and down Front and Union, kind of confused and not sure where to go. We are beamed into the sky and into your radio from the center of the universe. Crosstown Concourse and its WYXR radio station at 91.7 FM. Thank you to all the good folks over there making great community radio happen. And if you haven't already, consider a donation to the station... You can do that over at wyxr.org. This show comes to you, of course, from the people and the pages of the Memphis Flyer. Now, we are your alternative news weekly based right here in good old Memphis, Tennessee, USA. And if you like what we do, please consider joining our frequent flyer club. That's where you can support local and alternative journalism right here in your town. More details on that are over at MemphisFlyer.com. The heat is back, y'all. I went camping last weekend, and it got so cold one night that it woke up my wife and had her scrambling in the middle of the night to zip up all the tent windows. That was in mid-June. Can you believe it? But as soon as we left, the great thermostat minder man in the sky reached over and cranked that puppy up. I imagine as he did it, he mumbled to himself, let's see what this baby can do. But then in a flash, boom, hotter than Hades, in a heat wave that won't crash until you hear jingle bells and Walgreens. But in a weird, comforting kind of way, the National Weather Center predicts that our summer will be likely as hot as it has been in years before. Now that's small comfort, I know, but the center also predicts higher than normal temperatures this year for states like Utah and Colorado, no surprise there. But surprisingly, Maine, Massachusetts, Vermont, and New Hampshire are all expected to see higher than normal temperatures this year. We do have a great show for you today. Jackson Baker, our politics editor, talks all about these bogus flyers that list these political endorsees, and they've been flying all around. He talks about them and what's being done about them. Chris McCoy, our film and TV editor, went to see the new Jurassic Park movie, and he didn't love it. (laughs) Find out why later in the show. And I will talk about our cover story this week, all about solar power opportunities in Memphis and throughout Tennessee. We'll have the news, of course, and some MemorNet, and we'll have some choice cuts from our calendar, the finest events calendar in all of Memphiana, to help you get your weekend together. Okay, that is it, folks. Here we go. Going to start the show this week just like we do each and every week with a look down the streets of the MemorNet. Y'all know that is Memphis on the Internet. The MemorNet this week has only one item in it because it is so crazy and crazy fun that i just had to explain what happened in this insane facebook video it was published last week by marcos bean so hat tip to you sir i'm just going to run you through it the video opens with a disturbance at the trolley stop at the corner of maine and healing that's close to the grecian gourmet taverna the camera operator wades through a crowd looking on and phone filming a pregnant woman lying on the ground and she's apparently going into labor the camera pans across a white sheet laying over her legs, but then between her feet pops out a grown man dressed all in black, but with white shoes and a blue pacifier in his mouth. And then somebody throws a blue smoke bomb on the ground beside him. Once he stands, the man dances silently in hammer pants. Y'all know what hammer pants are. He still has that pacifier in his mouth. He then falls on his hands and he drags his body across the sidewalk under an ambulance where he disappears And then the camera operator walks around the ambulance in search of Baby Man, which is what I've called him, until he finds him dancing. He's still got that pacifier in his mouth. And then he dances in the crosswalk, and then someone off camera throws that blue smoke bomb back at his feet. And the video ends. Marco's Bean captioned the the video, gotta love Memphis, in a bit of a head scratcher. But as of Monday, that video had been shared more than 5,300 times, and I'm sure it's more than that now. Having a look at some news, a key piece of the Tom Lee Park Renovation Project won a $3.7 million federal grant last week, and that money is expected to trigger nearly $9 million in additional funds. The tailout trail section of the park redesign is expected to give visitors, quote, an immersive experience of an ecologically diverse area at the far south end of the park. The elevated walkways and canopy walk overlook there are the keys to the more natural southern end of the park called Habitat Terraces. Memphis River Park's partnership described the area as a unique elevated walkway through the tree canopy that creates a -a one-of-a-kind river experience and offers stunning 360-degree river views. The $3.7 million grant came from the U.S. Commerce Department's Economic Development Economic Development Administration. That agency said the grant will be matched with $6 million in local government funds and is expected to generate $2.8 million in private investment. Funding for the trail is not included in the $61 million overall budget for the park itself. Assistant Secretary of Commerce for Economic Development Alejandro Castillo said the project will provide a unique opportunity to experience the natural splendor that Memphis and the Mississippi River have to offer, while creating opportunities for new local businesses in river touring, biking, and hiking. Habitat Terrace Habitat Terraces, where the tailout trail will be located, is one of four distinct segments of the new park design. The others from north to south are Civic Gateway, the Active Core, and the Community Batcher. Designers describe the Habitat Terraces as a, quote, more intimate experience of the natural landscape. It is expected to include a canopy walk that connects the park to the city by means of an elevated path through the biodiverse forests of Tom Lee Park's southern zone and immersive platforms which offer parkgoers a quiet, acoustic environment to experience the sights and sounds of the Mississippi River. Carol Coletta, president and CEO of the Memphis River Parks Partnership, said we're thrilled to receive this competitive grant because it is confirmation by the EDA of the economic importance of Tom Lee Park. We're thrilled even more that in competition with projects throughout the Southeast, our project was chosen for this federal support. U.S. Representative Steve Cohen The project will draw national attention and support to Memphis, and is expected to bring thousands of new visitors to the riverfront. These visitors will have a significant impact on nearby restaurants, music venues, and hotels. Once completed, the tailout trail will be a major focal point for ecotourism in Memphis, spawning new small businesses associated with river touring, biking, and hiking, which will help increase employment opportunities, spur private investment, and advance economic resiliency throughout the region. Jackson Baker, you know him. He is our politics editor over here. Extraordinaire for the Memphis Flyer. Has been doing it for a long time. So he stays up on top of issues that others might miss. That is absolutely the case this week. You wrote again about these bogus ballot things that are that are coming along. What is going on with these things?
1: Well, you know, politics ain't beanbag. It's, it's like any other human endeavor. People try to cut corners. And people try to deceive other people. Horrors. And that always happens at election time. and But the bogus balance, you know, the usual bogus balance is, is a is a glossy sheet with people's mugshots on them and their names and the fact that they're endorsed by some totally fictitious outfit that's meant to sound like some democratic organization right. generally. And a judge has kind of tried to shut those things down. I haven't seen many this year. But what I did get in the mail the other day, actually in, I got a text the other day, it was a note... With a link to a website, and the website, the, the, the email address was Republican Party of Shelby County.com. Well,
0: sounds official.
1: It's, it, it sounds official, but the actual website of the real Republican Party in these parts is shelbygop.org. Okay. So this was bogus, and it purported to have a list of all their endorsees for the judicial positions in the election this year as well as their endorsees for their for the county offices. Now actually they don't have endorsees for the county offices. The actual Republican Party doesn't. They have nominees. That's a subtle matter. But this 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 list had a, a list of endorsees for county offices. And everybody who was a Republican nominee was on that list except for one race. And that was a race for assessor. And instead of having the Republican nominee, this one had the Democratic nominee's name there. And I'm thinking, you know, am I supposed to be really stupid? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I know better than this. Right. And uh, there were there were there were some red herrings in the in the note I got with the list. That they tried to get my attention to elsewhere in the package, but that's what I noticed first off. I thought, all right, this is bullshit Of course, I called the chairman of the Republican Party and notified him of it. He said, "This, it's bogus." Right. I knew that already. And and I called the poor guy who's running for assessor. Who was not on the list, his opponent, democratic opponent was on the list, and he said this is absolutely bogus. And it is absolutely bogus, and there's a number that I got. You know, I was tech, I was texting, you know, you get a text either with someone's name or a number sure. sometimes. And this one had a number, so I called that number about 45 times. No one never I got the sweetest sounding invitation to leave a voicemail, Aww. but I'm thinking there's never going to be an answer, there's never going to be a reply if I did leave a voicemail. So I'm just going to write this up as what it is. It's, it's horse shit, if I can say <laughs> that. <laughs> not bullshit, but horse shit.
0: As I was going through here, some things that, that made me raise an eyebrow was that the endorsees on these fake things get paid. Is that right? How does the money work? Why do people Oh, do no, this?
1: The, the way that, you know, the first type I mentioned, of course, this is not one of those glossy things that's handed out. The glossy ones that are handed out, they have mug shots and pictures of candidates who are supposedly endorsed. Every candidate you see on one of those sheets is paid dearly. Okay. Privilege, anywhere from one to $10,000 to have themselves on such a sheet.
0: They pay to get on that.
1: Yeah, and sure. I, I have a good friend who's a judge who's on a bunch of those things. I said, why do you allow that to happen? Why do you do that? And he said, well, I, I need to get elected like everybody else, and if this helps me get elected, because these things are passed out mainly in the inner city, those Democratic ballots. Sure. Those pseudo-Democratic ballots. And there are people who get the, get the thing and say, well, I guess this is legit, and go vote.
0: Right. And so the idea is that you can take one of these glossy pamphlets and take it with you into the voting booth and just look down the row here and say, I'm going to vote that yeah, guy. That yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But and so this, you've written about this in the past. This is not a, a, new, a new grift out there at all. Who's making money? Why would somebody do this? Well,
1: there are the, the guys who, put out, who print out the, the uh, sheets and put them out on the street, put them in the mail, Sometimes too. They get they get paid. They get the one to ten thousand dollars per candidate. Okay. And that mounts up. That's probably a pretty good living.
0: And, but, but as you said, it's that, you know, it's coming from these, these kind of fly-by-night organizations. What'd you call the one in here? The Republicans of, yeah, Republicans of Shelby County, which is not the official group. They just kind of, they form their own thing, put together their own ballot and put it out there. But this isn't the official GOP.
1: I wouldn't even say it's a they, it's probably a single individual. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And the, the Democrats usually have, uh, their ballots have names like, the ballot the, the entrepreneurs have names like Greater Memphis Democratic Club. Right. But, the, but a judge has put an injunction against the use of the word Democratic and such ballots, So we, we see fewer of those this year. So this is a new new thing going through text. Right. we we'll get some stupid reporter <laughs> sending a list and he'll use it.
0: <laughs> well, you know, what raised my eyes, too, that there is deceit and money making in politics. Is that right?
1: I hear there is.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, if, if, if there's any more deceit or money making uh, happening anywhere in Shelby County politics, you know you can go to the Memphis Flyer for that. Look no further than our own Jackson. Baker, thanks for all the work you do, my man. You bet. I had our cover story this week. It's called Sunshine. It's all about solar power opportunities in Memphis and throughout Tennessee. It's a companion piece to our Sunblock story in March that detailed the challenges to solar power here. Solar power is not blazing hot in Memphis or Tennessee. But some rays of light promise the dawn of its brighter future here. Barriers to solar power do exist in Memphis and Tennessee, as critics outlined in our previous story, but moves are underway to build the sector here and ingrain it as a sustainable portion of our overall power system. Scott Fiedler, a Tennessee Valley Authority spokesman, said, We look at solar power two ways. It's green and green. Green for money and green for the environment. Now, I opened our Sunblock cover story by hypothetically hooking up Ford Motor Company's massive Blue Oval City project straight to TVA's current electricity grid. Ford plans for its electric truck factory to be carbon neutral when it opens in 2025. Although, nearly half, about 45%, of TVA's current electricity is generated by coal, about 19%, and natural gas, about 26%. To bridge the gap, Ford will manage some of their carbon-neutral goals on their own. The Haywood County campus was designed for the potential use of geothermal, solar, and wind power. For the rest, the company will likely depend on TVA and its Green Invest program. Green Invest is TVA's largest solar power program with the highest profile, involving the most money that builds the biggest projects, and is most likely to knock the most carbon from more carbon footprints. For TVA, Green Invest is an economic development tool attracting businesses, jobs, and investments. It's something of a green energy matchmaking program. Through it, TVA connects companies with environmental goals for solar project developers throughout the Tennessee Valley. Since 2018, Fiedler said Green Invest has attracted more than $3 billion in investments from companies like Google, Jack Daniels, Facebook, and others. For solar at home, though, solar panels are mostly an exotic feature on Memphis homes or businesses. Keep in mind when Nike and IKEA added solar panels to their campuses, it made headlines in our newspaper. Chris Kazaja, president and CEO of Lightwave Solar and president of the Tennessee Solar Energy Industries Association, said without a financial incentive for solar or net metering in Tennessee, there's no financial payback to doing smaller-scale solar projects. He said, it is either altruistic or based on resiliency, because now that I've got my solar and battery storage, I've got my own little microgrid. So when these big storms come through, I've got power generation available for my home. Going solar in Tennessee is really looking at those opportunities, but there are much fewer and farther between. TVA ended its Green Power Providers program at the end of 2019, That program bought electricity from those with independent solar systems like homeowners who didn't use it all for themselves. MLGW continued the program but reduced payments for that excess solar power from a retail rate to a wholesale rate. It also instituted an electric service availability fee of about $12 a month for solar users. But MLGW said the fee is equal to that flat monthly customer charge now paid by all customers of MLGW. The solar fee exists because MLGW's monthly charges for electricity don't cover the cost of serving its customers, said Becky Williamson, MLGW's strategic marketing coordinator. But Williamson said that MLGW is seeing even more people going solar even after TVA ended its Green Power Providers program. In those years, they would see about an average of 19 applications for solar projects, of which maybe eight would be built. In 2020, she said 85 applications for solar projects were filed. In 2021, 117 were filed. So far this year, MLGW has received 40 applications for solar projects, and that is on pace to beat 2021's record. When critics say that TVA closing the program really disrupted the solar market, we're not finding that to be true in Memphis at all, Williamson said. We have far more customers interconnect now behind the meter than we ever had under the year of TVA's incentive program. And you can find all of that information and more in the Memphis Flyer this week. Our cover story is called Sunshine. Pick it up on the Flyer or go check it out now at MemphisFlyer.com. Chris McCoy, you know him. He is our film and TV editor over here live and in person at the Flyer headquarters downtown here in the Center for New Media. How does it feel? Well, it
2: feels great.
0: <laughs> Usually we've done, we've done, me and McCoy have done so many of these radio spots over the past two years over the phone or something like that just through COVID. And we actually do have live mics set up here in the studio. So it's kind of a nice, a nice feeling to actually talk and sit down and talk to Chris McCoy. And,
2: and this is the, this is the contemporary media new media center that we're in here. Yeah. Now? Okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah. We'll, we'll call state, it that.
2: state of the art, you know, studio space here that we have at the the beautiful.
0: Yeah. You, I mean, you should see this <laughs> just, place we, We've got a mixing board that's about a mile long. We've mile got, you know, long mixing board, just monitors everywhere. It's amazing. Yeah. We
2: just a small army of, of technicians and engineers, you know, really like fawning over every or every move.
0: That's right. right. How do I? How do I sound, Kevin? Great. Sounds great. Thanks. Ke- this week, Mr. McCoy went to go see the brand new Jurassic Park movie. You can't screw up a Jurassic Park movie. There's dinosaurs. How'd they do it? Well, I didn't put enough dinosaurs,
2: frankly. Jurassic World Dominion is the name of the film, and it is the last of the second Jurassic Park trilogy. And uh, yeah, it is the good parts about it. I'll tell you, I did like it better than the last one, Fallen Kingdom, which was just not a good film at all. But the reason I liked it better was because Jeff Goldblum is in this one. we Yeah! Why are we even bothering to make these films if Jeff Goldblum (laughs) is not there? Right, right, exactly, and it really he, you know, he and Laura Dern and Sam Neill from the original film are all in it, and so the, like
0: you said, they they brought the new cast and then the old cast back together for one last romp through dinosaur world. Yeah,
2: yeah, and it was and and it really was like, why are we even bothering with this new cast? Because right. Chris Pratt is just completely, and who I like in the Guardians of the Galaxy's mo- movies. Yeah, he is so flat as to be completely non-existent in this film. All he does is hold out his arm at, at dinosaurs every now and then, and it's just really tedious. And, but, and then Goldblum, so they got Goldblum and they got Laura Dern, they have the old cast back, but they put them in the B-plot, which is for some reason about locust and not about <laughs> So, so, and that's the thing that was really so frustrating about it. And this movie is, it's super long. It, you know, there, I mean, there's dinosaurs in it, but for some reason they thought that it would be a good idea to make the B plot about these genetically engineered locusts that are going around and eating all of the food that is not made by Biosyn seeds, which is this, Biosyn is this like company, like a Monsanto kind of thing. Right, exactly. And it, it seems to be like, you know, an attempt at some sort of climate change allegory or or you know to and also to play into the larger themes of Jurassic Park which is you know science gone mad and and you know nature finding a way right. you know which is classic science fiction stuff it goes back to to Mary Shelley's Frankenstein sure. the first you know modern science fiction story but so why are we doing this with locust? I mean we already have these the 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 dinosaurs right right I yeah. that dinosaurs it's not like the dinosaurs are not already an allegory because they totally are right and they have been for you know five movies now so why do we have to these locust here and so when you have the good act so we have the good actors and they they give the good actors a, a crappy like plot right anyways well I, you say that there's
0: there's three different plot lines in in this one and i love your 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 line here it says maybe a more skilled filmmaker could successfully juggle three competing storylines but the truth is, a skilled filmmaker would know better than to try. So so we've got the dinosaurs, we've got the locusts. What's the third plot line? The
2: third plot line is the clone who, uh, of the daughter of one of the founders of Jurassic Park.
0: I saw that in here, I thought that was a metaphor. It's an actual clone of the daughter of the original guy? <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. Except it wasn't even the original guy. Okay. You know, it was it was like a... A second founder that we just found out about last movie because uh-huh. they wanted to put a clone in for some reason. So yeah, so there's the clone, there's the of course the dinosaurs running around, and then there are the locust. And so they're trying to do all three, you know, all three of these things at once while also, you know, navigating a large natural area filled with uh, dinosaurs, a kind of Jurassic Park, if you will. <laughs> so. Yeah, I mean, it's just uh, it was really just it was really disappointing. And let me tell you, I love the original Jurassic Park. I yeah. think that is a that is one of Spielberg's best movies. It, it's an all time classic, and it's also like Jaws in that it's an all time classic that inspired a lot of really bad sequels.
0: Right? You know getting to the dinosaurs, of which you said there are some in this film. Right, yeah. So, in, in in the movie's past, usually they'll go to this island or that, you know, maybe it's the same island, I'm not really sure, but uh, they're all kind of contained, except on a few occasions when I think there's a T-Rex gets loose in the city, but this one, these dinosaurs are kind of all over the place.
2: Yeah, because at the end of the last film, you know, the whole, like, the, what was, the I think it's called Isla Nublar. Yes. You know, there was a giant volcano that exploded on that island. And then they, so they say they tried to save as many of the dinosaurs as they could, but then they got out. Right. So like one of the running conceits of this film is that there's literally dinosaurs everywhere. Like you go to the park and they'll be like, dinosaurs will chase you through the park, <laughs> you know? And, and, but but once again, this is why it's baffling that they would even attempt the locust thing because that's plenty of don't you think that's plenty of stuff to deal with?
0: I think so. You know,
2: like like finally Jeff Goldblum's warnings from the first film, you know, your scientists were so concerned trying to figure out whether they should they could, they didn't pause to think whether they should. Right. You know? So now he all this has come true. Everything that he that he warned us about back in nineteen ninety three has come true now. So, why don't we just like see Jeff Goldblum trying to fix that? No, there's the locust for some reason. It's just a bad it's just a bad decision. It's a bad decision that was that was made really early in the production. Right. Obviously, you have to make that at the screenplay. And and nobody came along and said, hey, what, what are we doing
0: here? Right. Well, we got these locusts. There's a clone over here. This thing's a mess. All right, maybe to wrap it up. So I was a big Game of, Game of Thrones fan, still am. A lot of people were upset with the way that that show ended. The producers of the show have taken a lot of flack. HBO has said, you know, they had to land this very big airplane. They had to mm-hmm. land this thing somehow. And not everybody's going to be happy, but they, they did it. They did it well. This wraps up a beloved franchise that's been around for, you know, since what, 93? 93, you 93 said. yeah. How well did they land? the plane.
2: Poorly. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> they to the plane. But you know, I think that the Game of Thrones thing is a good, I'm glad you brought that up mm-hmm. because I think the problem with the last season of Game of Thrones was it did a short season yeah. for one thing. They, they were doing 10 episode seasons for the rest of it and they, and they tried to do like a big ending. So I think they did only six and then like there were two or three episodes there that were just like feature length and they were huge. Right. You know, They were spending 10, 20 million bucks an episode by the end Dang. on that. Well, if they had just gone with the regular formula mm-hmm. and done a ten episode, ten one hour episode season, mm-hmm. you know, it would have been a lot better, right? You know, because it would have addressed. You would have had in in the specific thing, the specific problem of Game of Thrones. What you were interested in really was not so much the big battle scenes or whatever. You know, you're invested in Game of Thrones to watch these personalities bump off, bump against each other, right? You know. And that's what you, people felt like they didn't get from the end of Game of Thrones but the, which instead there was this big spectacle and this big battle, and you didn't get that the the interpersonal stuff that was really the the meat of the show right that's exactly the same thing that happened with jurassic world Dominion okay
0: the
2: the heat, the heart of this is there's some dinosaurs they're in the modern world, and they 're loose and they're killing people that's the heart of the whole thing yeah. if they just stuck to that, it would have been a lot better than what happened. Now, having said that, it was a huge hit. I think it made like 140 million bucks on in three days. Nice. You know, it probably it's made its money back by now. Sure. So they're going to be in the black. So I don't think that they're really that upset about <laughs> about what I'm saying about it. A lot of people went to see it, and and you know we'll see how well it 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 does in the coming. The coming weeks.
0: Right. And, and to wrap up that idea, there's a great quote by Michael Caine at the end of Chris's story this week. So go to the Flyer website, go, uh, pick up a copy in the rack and check it out. It's definitely worth a look. Switching gears on it a little bit, everybody knows that the new Elvis biopic is out. They had a screening of it down at Graceland this week. Star-studded Tom Hanks was here. The Elvis guy who played Elvis was here. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know who that is. But anyway, it was all the cast of the, the film was here. You went, what was that like? I did.
2: I went on the second night. They did a Saturday night and a Sunday night okay. and was setting like two seats behind Tom Hanks. It was awesome. That's insane. <laughs> I know. Wow. I know. Yeah, the premiere, the whole premiere thing was great. The Priscilla was there. Lisa Marie was there. Riley Keough was there, okay. uh, who is Elvis's granddaughter. It's Lisa Marie's daughter. Okay. And she is an actress as well. Now, people hopefully know her she was in Fury Road okay she was one of the wives in Fury Road and she was just the lead the co-lead in Zola last year which was which was my movie of the year last year okay and she absolutely should have been nominated for best pick for best actress for that yeah And, and and also Baz Lerman was there as well, the director, the director yeah, yeah and, and like you said, Tom Hanks, and I'll tell you, it was a great, you can read all about it in next week's flyer. I'm right. going to do a big story about it, about the movie itself and, and everything, but I'll tell you, I I was going in prepared to hate that movie, and I didn't.
0: Well, that is... That, uh, that's all I'll tell you. The, and again, so. It, Talk about the premiere a little bit here, but then next week we'll have kind of a more deeper dive about the movie itself. I've already got a preview of some of it, it's really well thought out, but that's what we come to expect from our TV and film editor, Chris McCoy. Chris, thanks again for all you do, bud. Thanks, Toby. Let's get our calendar out here, see if we can't find some stuff to help you get your weekend together. This weekend, we recommend the Juneteenth Family Reunion Festival. This is at Orange Mound Tower, OMT. It's on Sunday, June 19th, 5 p.m. to 11 p.m. It's totally free. All the great details are in the paper this week. On Sunday, over at the Overton Park Shell, it is the Tri-State Black Pride Memphis Music Festival. The second annual Tri-State Black Pride Memphis Music Festival will feature rap sensation Trina and local singer Bird Williams. And more than 20 artists have been added to the lineup. Eddie Wiley is going to be the host. There's going to be vendors, food trucks, and a cash bar. Grab your lawn chair, cooler and tent, and enjoy a variety of music genres. That is the Tri-State Black Pride Music Festival. That's at the Overton Park Shell on Sunday from 3 p.m. to 10.30 p.m. Tickets range from $10 to $75. Head out to Shelby Farms Park this weekend, Friday through Sunday, for the Bluff City Balloon Jamboree. The annual festival is expected to include more than 20 hot air balloons, tethered hot air balloon rides, a balloon glow event, carnival arts, crafts, and live music. This is at Shelby Farms Park, Friday through Sunday, 4 p.m. to 10 p.m. each day. Tickets are $25. And on Sunday at the National Civil Rights Museum, Small But Mighty Storytime, Juneteenth edition Dory Lerner, K-12 educator, will read Juneteenth story celebrating the end of slavery in the United States. This is at the National Civil Rights Museum, Sunday from 2 to 2.30. And head over to the Memphis Botanic Garden this weekend for the Mad Hatter's Family Tea Party. Enjoy Drink Me Teas and Eat Me Treats alongside whimsical characters as you create craft projects that will please any Wonderland Wanderer. This is the Mad Hatter's Family Tea Party at the Memphis Botanic Gardens this weekend. Tickets range from $20 to $25. And if you're feeling adventurous, head up to the Millington Airport this weekend for the Mid-South Air Show. This first-class aviation event will feature military demonstrations, acrobatic performances, static display aircraft, and local emergency response helicopters. This is Saturday, June 18th, June 19th, this weekend at the Millington Airport. All right, y'all, go out there, have a great weekend, stay safe, and have a lot of fun. All right, folks, that is going to do it for me and my half, the talk half of memphis flyer radio gotta stick around for that second half though over there is where our music editor alex green he's gonna be spinning some records telling you some tales and he's gonna sound daggum good doing it i promise you that all right folks y'all have a great weekend out there stay safe alex take it away thank you